Okay, welcome everyone to the latest episode of Literature and Lapdogs, and episode two in our dedicated Austin sequence. We're going to talk today about Persuasion, which is the last novel completed by Jane Austen and published in December, uh, December 20th, 1817, uh, actually along with Mothanger Abbey, and it was about six months after after Austen's death, so published posthumously, and sometimes considered a, uh, a bit of an outlier for Austen uh, in terms of its plot structure, I suppose, and some of its characters, so we're going to get into that. But if you're not familiar with the novel, or even if you are, um, a quick summary of what's going on. So our central character is named Anne Elliot, and she is 27 years old when the narrative basically begins, which in, I was going to say Austen's world, but I'm not blaming Austen for this, um, in the context of the novel, so uh, sort of early 19th century we're looking at, uh, to be 27 and unmarried uh, as a woman in, in Anne Elliot's sort of social sphere is is considered almost as bad as middle age right we were discussing this yeah. earlier it's like the equivalent of of middle age in with all of the negative connotations i don't actually ascribe to that but i mean societal notions of what middle age Her closes the book because she's 29 which is even worse right she's entering the years of danger entering the years of danger is such a great phrase right um but yeah approaching so at, the years approaching the years of danger or in fact entering them but yeah so at, Anne Elliot is certainly approaching the years of danger and um, adding to this this dilemma is that she was seven years prior to the beginning of the narrative of the novel she was engaged to Frederick Wentworth um, who was headed into the navy and it was the opinion of Anne's family in particular her snobbish father and various of his acquaintances that more particularly Lady Russell yeah it was Lady Russell but but her father too I mean clearly her father is a is a classic snob so he's not going to have been in favor of the marriage either i mean the fact that the beginning of the book is all about his his family's status and how obsessed he is with it it kind of makes sense he's also going to have been involved in it but yeah um how he disapproves of the navy because it brings young men into i forget what he says fortunes right presumably fortunes yeah. and titles and things on the basis of merit not on the basis of like family and inheritance and things like that so yeah um that it's creating it's creating a whole new generation probably of, of quite i mean including austin's brothers <laughs> like whole new whole new class generation of of uber wealthy young men um anyway so Wentworth is is denied the opportunity to marry Anne and persuaded to give him up and he goes off into the navy for seven years and uh returns as Captain Wentworth uh with a considerable fortune more in fact than Anne has herself or as as can expect um and what what ensues is a great deal of awkwardness (laughs) as the two of them sort of work each other out again um and we see this very unusual plotting of a romance, I think. I mean, it's pretty unusual. I don't think there's many other examples yeah. that I can think of off the top of my head where you have something that's that's set up quite this way. Um, I mean, for much of the novel, Anne thinks that there is zero... Yeah, that he hates her, that there's absolutely zero possibility of them ending up together at all. Um, 
And even if they did, the sense is that she would then be settling for him, whereas previously, uh, and major turning of the tables, right, the sense was that she would have been settling for, um, wait, did I say she would? (laughs) So he would be, okay, sorry. So he would be settling for her, um, when previously it was a situation that she would have been settling for him, so. um, And the fact is, like, the fact that she's worrying because she rejected him. Right. And he has said that he finds her changed, I think. Finds her changed. Yeah, he's not very complimentary about her. Yeah, she's not very, he's not very complimentary of her, and she overhears him not being very complimentary of her. Yep. And she starts getting into a tizzy because... <laughs> tizzy, she gets into a tizzy over the fact that he thinks that she's lost... All, I mean, she's the sense was she was very, very attractive when she was younger, right? That she was very beautiful so and... Yeah, no, right. she's yeah, she's supposed to have been right. Yeah, because I can never remember if she was. No, she's supposed to have been very attractive, which is part of the reason why everyone in her circle was saying, "No, you should hold on and find somebody else Cause more you worthy." Because you will else. totally find somebody else. Never mind the fact that you Even like this they person. Never take her to London. Right. Yeah. There's. there's... I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> there are there are problems with this. Yeah, it's it's actually quite an isolated setting. Right, in terms of where all the events take place. I mean, even I mean, in... It only takes place between two families, actually. Right, yeah. Largely. Yeah, whereas even even Pride and Prejudice, actually, Jane goes to London. Um, and, in, of course, the Bennets dine with four and, and twenty families. <laughs> the Bennets dine with four and twenty families, yes. Much to the, um, <laughs> the amusement of the Bingley sisters, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about what we thought of the movie first. That was our that was our agenda for this. So um, I think it goes well. Maybe it doesn't go without saying we were there. There was some sense that it wasn't going to be <laughs> the best I'm adaptation. Sure or everyone knew the second the trailer dropped. Yeah, and I mean, I went into this knowing it was going to be or. Think well. There we go. Not knowing. No, believe firmly. Firmly believing that it was going to be. And I kept saying (laughs) this to you. I know it's going to be bad. I'm doing it. I'm doing it anyway. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sit. I wanted some. I'm gonna sit and watch the world burn. I'm gonna watch the train crash. I'm gonna like everything. Yes, the train wreck is gonna be observed and. And know, laughed at. And laughed at and appreciated with popcorn, which sounds awful. <laughs> but and there then, we were. Yeah, there we were, like sitting and watching. Right? Two, it was very late, yes. As, because, as in fact is our ilk. You were working, right? I was working, as, yeah, as is my ilk. And I kept um, reading all day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you actually were very good. I thought you were going to watch it without me. I and know, I we thought gonna, I was going to watch it without you. And then you didn't. Um, and I didn't, so we stayed up till 2 a.m. Yeah. And then we watched it. And, and I was. <laughs> And it wasn't that bad. Yeah, we it wasn't had that bad. Moment. We had the moment. Yeah, we turned it <laughs> off. And we looked at each other and, and said, like, "That was so terrible." Bad. It's kind of kind of getting Wait. into it. Kind of want to watch the rest of it, which is Wait. yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a bad persuasion. It is a bad persuasion. Yeah, that's it's an okay movie. It's an okay movie. So that's yeah. The distinction we should probably talk about. So it's definitely a bad persuasion. Um, and the reason that it's a, probably the biggest reason that it's a bad persuasion, I think we agree on this, was that they make Anne Elliot Elizabeth Bennet, right? And there are a lot of, and there, yeah, pretty much everyone who critiques it talks about why does Hollywood not like calm characters? And I've seen that in titles. 
<laughs> what is Hollywood not like calm characters? What do they do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, okay. Um, you're going to have to talk about that because I haven't read the, that stuff. But um, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, you just glanced at it. Okay. It just throws off my YouTube it's algorithm. Sh- <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. Well, I mean, but the problem is, right, that, that everybody loves Elizabeth Bennet and everybody thinks that that's the most interesting and heroine who's opinionated. And, and 200 years on, she's the strong woman archetype. Right. She's a strong woman archetype, whereas Anne Elliot actually in the novel doesn't fit that archetype. Her, like, right. her, her. Mm-hmm. Print, like her major characteristic is that she is practical. Right? She is practical. She is long suffering. Right. She's practical. She she's deals long. Deals with she's, her abusive family. Yeah. She's everybody's agony aunt. Right. Everybody goes to her for seriously. Like, which is there's a hilarious. whole like <laughs> over like at least two pages. Yeah. Of the Musgroves. Of the Musgroves. Going between her talking yeah. about I would never critique Mary's parenting, but you know. Like, everything's wrong with Mary's parenting. <laughs> and then, of course, Mrs. Musgrove. Yeah. Like, like Mrs. Musgrove feeds them ice cream. Oh, and she always and wants to see them, them and spend time with them. And, and then trash. Mrs. Musgrove is like, uh, yeah, no, I really yeah, don't no. want to spend time with them. Because <laughs> I find them spoiled and irritating. And, and of course, Mary says Mrs. Musgrove is the one spoiling them. Right, whereas Mrs. And Musgrove says Charles, it's Mary, and Charles kind of agrees with Mrs. Charles. <laughs> Like Mary's getting in the way of everything and I could totally manage the boys if she would just stop. <laughs> yeah. It is actually like and rife for comedy. Persuade her that she's not always ill and there's a lot of use of persuasion. Yes, there is. I wish you would persuade her that and she's not actually sick, yeah. Sometimes that she's not actually sick. And of course I would think and Mary says, I think if Charles were to see me dying he would not think I was actually ill. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So there's there's a lot of I mean and they did that well. Right. They did the comedy of Mary's character particularly yeah, well. She was right. My she's part. yeah, she's absolutely hilarious. It's very, very well done. Right. Um and that was yeah, and, and not not entirely at her expense, I think. There's like some moments where she's actually like kind of, well, almost yeah, not <laughs> not completely absurd of a character. Weirdly. Weirdly. I mean, I, I mean, she has a point when What's-His-Face falls. Oh, yeah. I forget if it's Their Charles son, yeah, her son, yeah. I think it's... Is it Walter? I think it's Walter. Mm. Could be completely wrong about that. I could be completely wrong about I, they that. Didn't, they didn't... Charles that is was... the older one, right? Because mm. they name him after his father, and then, of course, Walter after hers. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, yeah, she does. She does have a point I mean, about. She does have a point about staying like, and Anne stay with the boy because. Well, yeah, but I think the point is that she, they should both stay. It's really the the thing is not whether somebody else stays with her. That makes a great deal of sense, right? You wouldn't actually want to be the. I don't think you want to be a parent watching your child who's. Uh, so the the story plot line is one of the boys falls from it. Falls from a like something right he has a bad fall we're not entirely sure i was looking back over the text whether it's from a tree or a horse or something but he injures his collarbone right um yeah, and i think there's danger of him injuring his spine and yeah like something the the injury in the back right it's not particularly specific right is actually considered to be more of a problem so there's concerns that he needs to be monitored and stuff um to make sure that he doesn't suddenly 
know, deteriorate rapidly, which is entirely possible, um, given that he's ha- sustained a fall and they are worried about, you know, what, what is happening in the back as they refer to it, right? Um, but the, it's not the question of, like, whether whether and or somebody else should stay as well it the issue is that mary wants to leave right mary's she like wants to go to a dinner party. she wants to go to a dinner party and leave her injured child um which is what i think that's the part that makes everybody She's sort of question her parenting right yeah. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the issue um but yeah but anne is that person who stays behind anyway and kind of absorbs the awfulness of Mary's parenting in that moment and yeah plus it actually works out great for her because Wentworth is at said dinner party yes yeah right she wants to get out of it anyway right she doesn't want to see Wentworth at that point she's too yeah. nervous about it so she's she's putting off the yeah because throughout the whole novel they can barely have a conversation yeah they can't be in the same room together really yeah and so. in fact towards the end they're at the opera and he looks at her she looks up he looks down they're that couple and <laughs> they're that couple right okay and that that was pretty was that well done do we think that was well done in the movie i can't even remember now at this point I can't um ish i think ish it was done okay um, right first i kind of even preferred am to Wentworth because quite frankly I found his smile inane. <laughs> you found it went with smile inane. Okay, so notes went with smile as inane. Um it's more a problem with the acting in general. Yeah. I mean I think the breaking of the fourth wall was the issue a little well, that bit. Was that was that's that Elizabeth the issue Bennett. That most people had. Yeah. And they make her catty, which I don't like. They made her catty, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing. I mean, they could have broken the fourth wall without... I did write a mini essay about Yes, that. you did. <laughs> about how, in fact, everything is told from her point her of point view. Her point of view. And specifically right. her point of view, because yep. there's a moment when she's tending to one of her nephews. She's tending to Charles. Walter jumps on her back. Yeah. And we don't know that Wentworth takes Charles off her back until right. Wentworth has taken Charles off her back. back. Right, yeah, it's, it's not narrated for us. It's, Walter, we, not Walter, Charles. yeah, We're mixing them up. So it's Charles who's the older brother who gets injured and then Walter the younger one, right? Yeah, because, yeah. of course, they have to go named after his Charles and then Walter, right, 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 yeah. Um, it's called Charles's. There's lots of Charles Musgraves, <laughs> yeah. We've got Charles Musgrove, Charles Musgrove the younger, Charles Musgrove the even younger. <laughs> and of course they've got their cousin Charles Hater. Oh god, unless we get into a blackadder moment here. Um that's probably not something that most of our listeners are aware of, but if you if you've never seen Blackadder, go watch the third series of Blackadder with the references to Pitt the Even Younger. Um it's kinda timely, it's sort Does of he actually exist. Pit Pitt the Even Younger, no. Okay. I, mean, there's a refer- I think I believe it's a reference to the fact that um, William Pitt was quite a young individual when he was Prime Minister. And they've got Pitt the Elder and Pitt the Younger. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. just asking because it's totally possible. Uh, of course it's, it's it entirely funnier. possible. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very possible. Um, no, not not quite. Um, but it's very timely though because of course that's, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Prince Regent to whom Austen dedicated... <laughs> Emma. Emma, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, the breaking of the fourth wall. Might have worked, but she's not catty. And that... She's not she's catty. She's not catty. And that doesn't... It doesn't... It makes her, like, her being the, the agony aunt for everybody else and her sort of suffering and, and putting up with everybody else's nonsense makes her seem like she's just 
rolling her eyes at everybody when she's doing that, which she really isn't. She really isn't. She really isn't. Genuinely. She's genuinely. She genuinely. Like, she is. She is that. She is the good listener. She is that practical person, which is what Wentworth finds desperately attractive, right? It's when she. (laughs) It's when she. She kind of knows what. Which is. It's just fun because you would think that, you know as decorated as he is by the time he's shown up seven years later he'll actually have like an inkling of what to do when somebody's injured but when um when the great Henry accident when Hen- is it i thought it was louisa oh, louisa falls yeah. yeah louisa falls uh the epic jump I scene mixing up their names oh no I, yeah doable and it's um, the same setting every time yeah because very specific it's a very very specific setting and it's just like who the hell who would the hell would jump from those stairs i mean dear god why Um, would you do that the first time yeah and then why do it again why do it again without especially without having (laughs) without alerting without alerting the person that you want to catch catch you (laughs) catch buddy yeah you should spot somebody when they're doing this and they're like leaping to their almost certain brain damage as they look. Yeah, she does sustain brain damage. Yeah, doesn't she, she does. I think I was wondering yeah. about that towards the end because I talk about. They mention her character changing. Like, yeah. very changed. Yeah, yeah. She well, I mean, she's unconscious. the complete opposite of herself. Yep. And she starts flinching whenever doors open. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty. Doesn't it's not. It's a serious injury, right? It's quite it is a, a serious. It's a very injury. serious she's injury. She's un- for days. She days. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's very. They do that in Bridgerton. I hate to say it, but that's what they do. They did that in the second episode, the second oh, series of Bridgerton. I know you didn't watch the last series. one, but they do awesome. do that. She falls and hits her head on a rock and is like unconscious for a while. Um. Also, speaking of Bridgerton, I'm just going to go on a mini tangent here Feel about free. marriages. <laughs> I object. Like, I know modern viewers are probably going to object as does Daphne in the first series, to Anthony trying to arrange her marriage for her. Mm. But quite frankly, I disagree less with that because he is the Viscount and he is the head of a family. Right. Therefore, she is legally his property, right? Pretty much, yeah. What I object to to is him trying to arrange a match between her and a baron. (laughs) Yeah. Because she is the eldest right. daughter and eldest sister of Viscount. Viscount. You're and not going to marry Baron. And Barons are so far down in <laughs> the, the scale of the that they barely even count. <laughs> they barely, yeah, they don't count. They only count to themselves, which is why we have the, like, the opening of Persuasion. I mean, technically it's not quite that bad. There's a difference between Barons and Baronets, but they're still, they're so low on the food chain, right? It makes no sense that you get... <laughs> Wait, specifically because... Like, I object to this specifically because she's the eldest. Right. Like, for Eloise or Francesca or <laughs> Hyacinth, maybe. You got all their names but, right. <laughs> I think. Yes, they're alphabetical order. All right, yeah, of course. Because then those yeah, people. Yeah, those people. Yeah. But for Daphne, she's the eldest. Mm-hmm. And her marriage is going to reflect on all her sisters. And I don't even know the social order of nobility, but I'm pretty sure Viscounts are pretty high up, like they're they're just below an earl. Yeah. So marrying you want to marry her to a duke well doesn't she quite or, frankly or a prince isn't there a prospect for marrying a prince yes, at one point the prince which is of like prussia. the prince of prussia yeah mm-hmm. seriously that. why didn't she go for him because <laughs> he's actually a sweetheart yeah. and he doesn't and she'd reco- be a he doesn't have emotional trauma that she's required to fix, <laughs> fix yeah because 
Bridgeton, right? Okay. Um, we're descending into discussions about Bridgeton. Which <laughs> probably would have fit better on Pride and Prejudice because we also discussed some sensibility. And True. I, I, it, I, I think it tries too hard to be Austin. Yeah, just Quite a tad. Frankly, I mean, I love Julie Andrews, but I, I'm going to get accused Andrews. of, of, of uh, this is, yeah. No one can dislike Julie Andrews. No one can dislike Julie Andrews, that is true. It's not possible. Um, this is going to descend into discussions about musicals and things like that. <laughs> huh? I'm, 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 I'm recalling certain feedback from um, certain quarters about uh, class discussions that would descend into discussions about Virginia Woolf and... <laughs> And Wicked, to which I was like, well, maybe Wicked is a descent. I'm not sure that it is, but maybe. I, I'm sorry, no, it isn't. It's it's very highbrow stuff. Um, but Virginia Woolf, definitely not. So we'll just uh, <laughs> anyway. Bridgeton is yes, not maybe falls in the slightly lowbrow category. But I mean, it's interesting in terms of like critical responses to you know Austin. Austin. And yeah, and that time period and, and the enduring popularity of it, which is still an interesting thing to think about. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, we like the fact that Anne Elliot speaks Italian, right? Yeah. And I didn't even clock on when reading it that she probably does in fact speak Italian. I thought yeah. I genuinely thought from the way she was describing mm. it because she's shy and modest I genuinely thought she only spoke a bit of it how she learned it though was his intrigue I mean I, I suppose she would she could and would I mean could. she did go to school she was well like, yeah but I mean even um, so that's not even a, so it was more it was probably presumably well yeah no it's in pulling on a gear so maybe not French but um but I mean think about what Bingley says it's like the, the French, you know, and French and German so yeah but I thought the requirements um, were just I think in the book it was just like modern languages modern languages yeah sure 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 modern no. languages in general not in German yeah <laughs> yeah um I also like the fact that they kind of I think they did they did pay attention to the fact that she's been tracking Wentworth Right, which is a really, really important detail in the novel. She is very well versed, very well versed in who's been doing what, uh, in sort of naval exploits, which very strongly suggests she, that she's been reading up on what's been. Which you, you could do, right? They were little, little pamphlet papers, things. Yeah, fact, they had papers that like, you could get and follow. Sent Henrietta mm-hmm. decide to go looking for one of his ships. Right, exactly. So it's and it's and very clear that Anne's been doing that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it's very, very clear that Anne's been doing that in the novel, um, <laughs> which is a clever little detail. But um, yeah, and th- I think they managed that. I think they managed that in the film reasonably well. Um, it's kind of important that they that we get some indication that that um, Anne's been, you know, not not losing interest in Wentworth because part. I mean, part of the discussion is like who is you know which gender is more. Um, faithful, right? It's yeah. who's who, whose love is more enduring. Whose love is more enduring, right? Is it women or men? And from much of the much of the novel, the conventional perspective is that it's women and men move on. And in fact, her conversation with I th- conversation with Captain Harville, and it's that conversation that yeah. prompts Wentworth to write. A very impassioned look. <laughs> yes, how dare you say that? How and can you say this, Anne? Don't you know I've loved you forever? Never, even though I've never communicated. Never this. communicated this and at I, all, and made and sn- slightly snide remarks about how you look behind faded your back behind no your less. back, no less. Yes, 
about how you look faded and have lost your beauty. You know, doesn't quite say lost her beauty, but she looks changed, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. It is a big focus of the of the novel, Capital right? Offense. Capital offense, indeed. Right. Lack of communication between yeah, couples that miraculously, miraculously gets worked out in the end with everybody happy. Um, so true. Um, yeah. But I mean that that's that's done reasonably I mean, well too. The conversation with Captain Harville is inspired because his yes, sister Fanny died Fanny, and yeah. she was engaged to, to Bennick, um, Captain right. Bennick. Yeah. And Captain Bennick is now gonna marry Louisa. Yeah. And and uh and Wentworth is doubtful. I mean he says, you know, she's a perfectly nice girl, but I don't quite see how um and it can can be moving on from Fanny because she was this like exceptional woman. Oh, that's not Wentworth. That that is, is Wentworth. That Wentworth. Yes, that is Wentworth. Okay, it's both of them. No, it's Wentworth. Like he's he's not. Yeah, he doesn't want to say something. He he's trying not to say something. Like, about. but it's it it reads like a conversation about Anne though. It reads like a conversation about the type of woman that Anne is as well. Okay. Yeah. In fact, he says right. It, it is Wentworth. He says that. Um, you know, I confess I do consider his attachment, his attaching himself to her with some surprise. And then he talks about how, um, actually no, before that he says, um, I confess that I do think there is a disparity, too great a disparity, and in a point no less essential than mind. I regard Louisa Musgrave as a very amiable, sweet-tempered girl and not deficient in understanding. But Benick is something more. He is a clever man, a reedy man, right? Um, and he says... Um, it seems, on the contrary, to have been perfectly spontaneous, untaught feeling on his side, and this surprises me. A man like him in his situation, with a heart pierced, wounded, almost broken. Fanny Harville is a very superior creature, and his attachment to her was indeed attachment. A man does not recover from such a devotion of the heart to such a woman. He ought not. He does not. And that's very clearly, like, subtle, s- subtle, subtle, subtle Captain subtle, Wentworth. Subtle. Right, subtle Captain Wentworth. Yeah, the way he's like, he's not... Everyone a, reading is starting to is, grin. Well, even Anne starts to realise at that point, I think, doesn't she? That she's like... Um, he talks about, oh, wait, jealousy... Yeah, he says jealousy of Mr. Elliot. That's the point when you get the narration. Jealousy of Mr. Elliot. Um, it was the only intelligible motive. Captain Wentworth jealous of, of her affection. Right, she actually has a, a, a moment of thinking, oh, wait, what was that? Right, which more chops to her than Elizabeth Bennett doesn't have those moments with Darcy so much. Well, she does a little bit, but definitely you're starting to fan themselves into life. <laughs> yes, get out your fans, ladies. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. That's that's your that's your. Yep, <laughs> your Astinian hero moment of yes. Let's let's have a gushing emotional man who's actually quite capable of expressing his feelings but as he stifled them stifled them up until this point where it's most dramatic that he suddenly starts revealing himself and of course back to what I was saying yeah um about the conversation that she has with Captain Harville because that's the conversation about women and men and the time and the persistence of their affections. Right. Yeah. And, of course, if Anne has, in fact, been looking him up for... Seven years. She's been cyber-stalking him. She's been cyber-stalking him. And <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. 
I mean, to the point that she's really well versed yeah. in what he's been up to. So and to the point that she's just picked up some navy lingo. On if the she's picked up navy lingo, right? Yeah, yeah. Which presumably Austin would have had like first-hand experience of presumably monitoring her brothers and checking that they were okay, and you know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, it's certainly it was certainly doable um, to track them that closely. So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, that's the conversation that inspires Wentworth to start scribbling manically. Scribbling manically and hand her hand her the note and make sure she gets it because it's not Actually, that it's it not that table, kind of novel, it hand it right? It's, but it's not that kind of novel. They're not going to miss the note. This is. <laughs> It's not Romeo and Juliet. It's not Thomas Hardy. You're actually gonna read the note, read the note, and be happy, and read the note and be happy about it. Yeah. Um, I do love she take. She gets some agency. She goes running after. She's running after him. Yeah, in the little street. I think so. Yeah, she certainly does in the adaptations that are worth their salt. Yeah, no, she. I think she does. Um, You can actually look because I've got the book right here. But um, (laughs) yeah. Well, yeah, she certainly gets agency in so far as she, you know, she responds to the note, right? The ball is in her court from that moment, so. Because um, he does, in fact, tell her, if you still love me, seek me out. Yep. <laughs> but if you don't, I will never I bring will it up again. I will never bring it up again. I'll never. I'm honourable. Um, yeah, I'm honourable like that. I won't do it. Um <sighs> Yeah, the exchanging of those heart. feelings and those premises, which yeah. once been yeah, and she doesn't write. You're right. She doesn't write the. <laughs> she doesn't do the reconciliation. <laughs> like, she leaves it to the reader's imagination, which actually she like she never writes successful. She proposals. never writes successful proposals. Yeah, like, she, she lets writes you all the failed ones. Or right, most of the failed ones. I but guess. that's but that's narrative technique though. That's narrative because because by the time you get to the proposals that actually work out and the novel's going to wrap up, you, you want probably have their own head cannons. Right? Exactly, you want. I mean, I'd hate to talk in terms of like fan fiction and fangirling and whatever or fanboying in this particular instance, but essentially you're you're already you've already got your very clear notion of what these characters are like, and you are really rooting for them to get together if you, you know, if you're actually doing what Austin wants you to do, which she's guiding you towards the entire time. So she's letting she's letting you have control of figuring out what you know how the reconciliation happens. So, you know, you can fill in the black which is getting you invested in it. So yeah. Um I found the letter, I'm trying to find the bit where she like chases after him. <laughs> what is she on me? And anyway, the thing that prompts the conversation even is the fact that Benick makes Harville go get a miniature of mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. for the Lisa that was originally supposed to be for Fanny. I think he does make Harville get it, doesn't he? Yeah. And that is not a good move, quite frankly. Getting your late lover's brother to bring you a miniature that was for your late lover. Yeah, they for your new lover. You know, yeah, they do. They do go after him. She goes after him. Um, yeah, Charles. <laughs> The many Charleses. Um, yeah, yes. they're in Union Street with a quicker step behind or something. A familiar sound gave her two moments of preparation for the sight of Captain Wentworth. Yeah, he. I mean, he kind of shows up behind her a bit. Like, she's she's looking for him, right? She's trying to get herself in a situation where she can actually talk to him. 
Um, so, I mean, that's about as much agency as a woman gets in the like, 19th century, right? So, um, let's put myself, let's deliberately decide to put myself in a situation where I'm likely to run into the person that's basically just proposed marriage to me and I'll see how things work again. out. Again, yeah. Again, and we'll see how things work out this time because I've changed my, well, I haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed my mind. My mind was always the same. My mind was always the same. Now the circumstances are different that you have money and this is all good. So let's, yeah. Um, you have money. We're both mature. We're both mature. I can't really whole whole twenty seven years. The years save me from the years of danger, Captain. Yes. Um, yeah. What do you think happens to Elizabeth? Um, comes an old maid. I mean, she probably fulfills the prophecy yeah. of of Elizabeth Bennet, right? Of Elizabeth Bennet's prophecy that she'll end an old maid. Um, it's nothing but the very deepest level in Jesus to match Actually, so. isn't that just from adaptations? It is from just adaptations, but I mean, in essence, the idea that she's not, uh, you know, she's quite determined to find a genuine relationship and not going to settle. Because she has seen... I mean, she's very clearly... Not yeah. knowing your partner. Right, and she's very clearly... I mean, there's there's a whole conversation to be had, and not probably not now, about... Um, I mean, obviously, she would ghost a crazy married to Mr. Collins. There's no question about that. But if, mm-hmm. if in fact, her primary goal was to secure the fortunes of her family, then marrying Mr. Collins is the most sensible thing she could do. And, and, then, and then, forget it, marrying Darcy. Marry Darcy. Right. I mean, there's... Like, come I mean, on. It, it, unless, the only, but the counter-argument to that is that she genuinely believes that he would not be interested in supporting her family, that he would be that much of an awful person, that he... But but then again, I mean, every everybody, including Wickham, has said that Darcy cares about appearances, right? So it seems unlikely in that context that if he did marry, if she did say yes to him before she kind of realised that actually he's not, you know, public enemy number one, um, or he shouldn't be public enemy number one, that he um, would actually take care of her family. Because, because to, have to have poor relations, right? To have his wife's family poor and destitute, you know, and all that kind of when stuff. When he is in the best position possible to, to help take them. care of them, yeah. I mean, plus, not to I mention, mean, he's made a pretty impassioned proposal to her. You'd think she'd be able to get a little bit of leverage there plus, in that moment. And plus, say. when she finally accepts him, doesn't Mrs. Bennett start raving about all the pin money she's going to get? Um, I'm sure she probably does. Because you get in those days when you're married especially to a very wealthy man you get a small portion of his money annually probably to spend for your personal needs she could probably yeah elizabeth would do yeah elizabeth and jane start using their 50 pounds a year from their own for their inheritance for stuff to provide for lydia Lydia. yeah um yeah i mean it's it would it would Kind of, I mean, oh yeah, but I mean, there are all, all kinds of obviously very awful stories about women married to wealthier men where they have zero access to property and stuff like that. And so it could, you know, she could be imagining herself in a sort of gothic, um, and all Jack too, and all Roland. too well, yeah, but all too real actually in reality, but in, in terms of a novel, sort of a gothic construction. Um, no, what? <laughs> sorry, all too real in reality. Yeah, no, sorry, it's late. Um, but no, I mean, yeah. In, I mean, in reality, outside of fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all too much a reality that that they you could be in a situation where your husband controlling finances could deprive you of access to virtually anything. So she might not have been, and you know, Elizabeth Bennet might not have been in a position had she said yes to Darcy the first time around to actually do very much for her family. But it's highly unlikely. I mean, even given what even given what Wickham said, and you've got to assume that 
Elizabeth is fairly well aware that Wickham is probably about the worst, you know, <laughs> the person with the most serious grievance towards Darcy, at least in her initial estimation of it, right? She can't imagine anybody else, you can't imagine many things that are worse than what Wickham describes Darcy as doing. I mean, right. in fairness, to be, to completely disregard his father's wishes and well, have to make someone yeah. destitute. And then the other problem, though, is that even even if Darcy is, like, awful and is going to basically lock Elizabeth up in some, you know, in Pemberley, God forbid, um, and never let, her, never let her see, exactly, like, never let her see the light of day ever again. Never um, let her see her family of which, of which there's very little evidence. Um, the, the second part of it is that on what planet would Elizabeth getting married to Darcy, like, not lead to Jane marrying Bingley? Yeah, she doesn't think this through. No, she doesn't. She really doesn't. Which is just, uh, yeah. Which which brings me back to the point that she she do, even even if it's not actually in the novel, I can't remember off the top of my head because it is very late. We're doing this. Um, like she, the, the sense that she's she's determined to marry somebody for love is like, you know, is some. I mean, it's the only it's, it's the only thing that really makes actually. Yeah, it's the only thing that really makes like, sense. Realistically. Yeah, realistically, it's very much to her detriment because it means that she's gonna. Like, if the events of she's gambling were taking place in real life. Yeah, it's an extreme gamble. Mister Collins is right that she probably won't, won't get. It. Yeah, exactly. She's gonna be Anne Elliot and sitting there in twenty-seven, approaching the years of danger. <laughs> like it's gonna be. Mister Darcy's not gonna, you know. Has had a cup, had any kind of come to Jesus time. moment because yeah he's not going to waste his time he doesn't have to go off and earn a fortune he's already got one she's going to turn down the first time um, yeah it's, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't quite track but but there you go that's precisely why it's fiction and precisely why we love it because even though it doesn't entirely track when you start to think about it like that um, you know we like the we like the story we like the romance it is a romance and it is a romance because even has a point where which is a very good point she's got a free and direct discourse yeah where they talk about her feelings and she's well aware she's not a romantic heroine right she has to think and yeah exactly and and making a judgment about mr collins as absurd as he is he's not you know he's not violent he's not vicious right um, actually that is a very well thought out marriage because yeah. she like she can keep him out of her way right exactly and like he is very much a product of the li- of the women in his life yep could, you know could so easily she can control keep him out of the way she can send him over to visit lady Catherine and exactly daughter. she can send him, him to walk encourage him to walk encourage him to spend his time in his garden <laughs> you know we haven't really spent more than a couple of minutes in each other's company which is exactly what she wants and so she can keep him away from her mm-hmm He's not vicious or violent, and right. he's not nasty to her. He's just no. pompous, and he's got very, very good prospects. And she's supposed to be well educated, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you would have to be reasonably ish educated to have the position that he has in the church, right? And have the patronage, mm. have the patronage of Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Genuinely, that is very good. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's also, I mean, he's of the same, roughly same social class as Mr. Bennet, right? Which means that he's yeah. And yeah. Actually, when Mr. Bennet dies, he inherits the when property. Mr. Collins inherits Longbourn, right. 
Charlotte is going to be able to move back to the town she was born in. Precisely. And they're not and that far away. By as that point, <laughs> her parents are probably going to be really old, so she'll be, on she'll be in a position to look dead, after. So she'll be right. in a yeah. position to look after her mother. Which brings and you if back her to. Her mother's the... dead, she'll be in a position to look after her father. Right, which brings you back also to the point about like Elizabeth and Darcy, that even. That it doesn't make any sense that, that Darcy marrying Elizabeth after that first proposal would not lead to Bingley marrying Jane, or even somebody better, actually, because of a Resumed connections. Um, after Elizabeth, and then even Darcy, she brings Kitty to Pemberley. Right. Well, yeah, but but he, and even even if Darcy's like awful, Jane's going to be in a position to look after the family. So it's not like it. it just it, it's not a well thought through <laughs> situation. Just yeah, just prove your critical thinking skills, woman. I know. Yeah. Just uh, be more practically minded. Because. Um, okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap wrap up our conversation there. But um, we. Descended. We did descend into prejudice. <laughs> yes, Anne Elliot is not Elizabeth Bennet. Let that, gonna say that. Let that be the takeaway. <laughs> she's not Elizabeth. She's a very, very interesting character, but she's not Elizabeth Bennet. And she's a heroine too good for Austin. She's a heroine too good for Austin, which is. Which she said herself. Oh. And actually, I find it kind of interesting that <laughs> this was supposedly inspired by a letter that Austin wrote to her niece. Because her niece was preparing for a long engagement. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't doubt your ability to like him, but and to be very happy with him if you got married now. Right. But I doubt that you'd be able to sustain a long engagement over yeah. six or seven years. Yeah, which is which is difficult even today. Yeah. Well. well. And actually, Lucy Steele and Edward Ferris. Oh yes, Lucy Steele and Edward Ferris. Four years. Yep. <laughs> Very unfortunate. Yes. At some point, actually, we when they're young to get and into foolish. a more in-depth discussion of that's like Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, but we may need to get yes. into a more in-depth discussion of sense sensibility. We will. Do you want to talk about Mrs. Eliza Brandon? We will indeed. We have to. We have. We still have Emma and Northanger Abbey and sense sensibility, in, in yeah. fact, to talk about. So we sh- we shall be back to discuss one not quite sure in what order but we will be back to discuss one or other of those next time